Bible, I'd love you to turn to Joshua chapter 4 and Mark chapter 8, and we're just going to flow into the message this morning. I, I want to talk about the power of remembrance, the power of remembrance. I did actually have another message planned until John Cordy reminded me of the significance of this day, and uh, I preached a message about three or four years ago called the Stones of Remembrance, and I just want to revise that bring it out of the vault, if you like, this morning. I think it's appropriate, and I think the Holy Spirit may even be on it. <laughs> I just want to uh, begin by reading a passage from Joshua chapter 4. So Joshua chapter 4 and, and Mark chapter 8, just kind of keep your fingers in there. Just bear with me while I set this up. Joshua chapter 4 verse 1 says this, just a key passage will come up on the screen behind me. When all of the people had crossed the Jordan... The Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. That was the river that he'd sent them to cross. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. Verse four says, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And then this passage here, if you just bring this up, uh, verse six on the screens behind me, it says, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Let me just read that to you again. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Verse 9 says, Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. Jump over to verse 21. It says, then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Verse 22, then you can tell them this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes and he kept it dry until we were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had crossed it over. He did this so all the nations of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you may fear the Lord your God forever. Father, I thank you for this message on this day and this hour. I thank you that you've got something to say. I thank you that you are the God of peace, not the God of war. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives today and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us from your words in, in Jesus' name. We try and make it, I don't know if you do this, but around on Anzac Day, just in, uh, in late February, uh, sorry, April, Anzac Day is in April, we've tried to make it a, an important Smith tradition, something that I do with my, my daughters and I will do it with my, my son when he's a little bit older is take my kids down to the dawn uh, parade or the dawn ceremony that's over here in Anzac Park if you're in Nelson 
And uh, I managed, managed to convince them from a really early age to, to come out. Basically, I promised them McDonald's for breakfast afterwards. It's amazing what you can convince a child to do when you involve the golden arches. But, but I, I wanted and I want my kids to understand what took place for their freedom so many years later being in peace. But, but they got to know and understand that. And I, I asked my kids once as we drove home or back, for, back to McDonald's after the dawn service, you know, why are these memorial services so, so important? Why, does, why do I drag you out of bed at 5.30 in the morning so that you can go out in the dark and in the cold and look at the back of the person in front of you because they can't see anything, they're so small? Why do we listen to the retelling of these old stories? Why do they lay the wreaths? Why, why wear, wear the poppies? And you know, I, I tell them it's because we don't ever want to forget, lest, lest we forget. We don't, want, we don't want ever to forget what took place uh, before us. And so without this kind of remembrance time, we run the risk of becoming ignorant. We run the risk of becoming complacent about our past, about the sacrifice that was made for our, our freedom. Queen Elizabeth, the current Queen Elizabeth, she once said this, in remembering the appalling suffering of war, we recognize how precious is peace. And so these memorials, are, they serve as a reminder to future generations, and we are the future generation when it comes to the wars of the past, about defining moments in history that, that we can stay connected, that we can stay thankful, that we can stay, stay aware of what took place. Well, the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, it also records a bunch of memorials. There are a bunch of memorials that were often established around stones of remembrance. And if you've been in the Old Testament much, you'll recall some of these about piles of stones being made up. We, we just read about one in Joshua chapter four. Joshua, upon crossing the river, the Jordan River into the promised land. It was, a, it was a critical time in the Old Testament. He takes, he has each tribal, a tribe leader take a rock from the river floor, throw it on their shoulders, and he, and he has them build a memorial stone that stands as a reminder about how God had saved them. And it, it says there, we've just read it out, in the future our children will ask, what do these stones mean? What do these memorial stones mean? Verse 22 says, then you can tell them, this is so all the nations of the earth will know our God is powerful. And so there are recorded in the Old Testament many more of these memorials. We don't have time to go through them all this morning, but let me just give you a few things like, and in, in, uh, you can just do the slides for me. Thanks, Gary. First Samuel chapter 7, after defeating the Philistines, it says that Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, which is the stone of help, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. In Genesis uh, chapter 35, verse 14, it says that Jacob set up a memorial, a stone marker to mark the place where God had spoken with him. So you see, there's, there's at least three of them, but there are many more of these memorials recorded in the scriptures to remind the people of who God was and who, who God is. And so it was customary to set up some kind of stone monument 
on the site, at the place of God's miraculous intervention, the place where he had actually physically manifest and helped, or, or at some defining moment in time. And these monuments would serve a whole, whole lot of different purposes, but the primary purpose was to remind future generations, just like we are doing today with armistice, of what took place. In, in, in this case, it was about God's great ability to save and deliver. And the stones would remind future generations that in their time of need, they could look back and be reminded they had a record of God's faithfulness. They could say, remember, remember that this is who he is because this is what he did. Many of us will know of or have uh, heard about the different Hebrew names of God that were spoken of often in the Old Testament. He's Jehovah Jireh, he's Jehovah Rapha, he's Jehovah Nissi. And what's interesting about many of those, those names of God is that the first time those names were actually mentioned were actually memorials. They, they, they were memorials being established to declare the truth about who God was. They hadn't just come up with these names. Something had happened and those names were given to God to, to remind them. Jehovah Jireh, for example, was actually the name Abraham gave to the mountain where he was saved by God from sacrificing Isaac. He didn't actually call God that, but he named the mountain after God revealed that side of his nature to him. Are you following me this morning? Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my miracle, or the Lord is my banner. It was from Moses in Exodus 17, after defeating the Amalekites, he builds an altar, a pile of rocks, and he calls it Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, my miracle, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is, is peace. That was the name that Gideon gave in Judges 6 to the altar that he built after he met the angel face to face. And so we have these names of places. We have names of altars. We've got names of mountains which would tell future generations to come about how God revealed his nature and his character in their time of need. And these stones of remembrance then tell a story about how God had, had done this or God had, had done that so that they would remember the future generations. They would have no doubt these conversations, father to son or grandfather to grandson. Remember, son, he's, he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Oh, is he, is he dead? Yeah, remember when he put all of those diseases on the Egyptians, but our ancestors were spared and, and, and they, we came out of Egypt strong. That's the moment when he was first called Jehovah Rapha. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Or remember, he's Al Shaddai, the, the all-sufficient one. Remember how our, our father Abraham was old in age, but God gave him strength, and, and there he revealed himself to him as Al Shaddai. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is how the stories I, I imagine these Hebrew men would, would speak to their children about, and so on and so on. Memorial stones, piles of rock, moments in, in Israel's history that declared who God was, that stood as a reminder, a, a test testimonial of God. It's really, really interesting. And maybe you're interested in that, but the big question is, what does that mean to us today? What, what, is, what is that, how does that transfer us to us today? And if you want to go over to, to Mark chapter 8, 
And we find the answer in this. And this is a very powerful principle, what I wanna share with you from these memorial stones. Let me just give you some context to Mark chapter eight. You're gonna need to understand why Jesus is saying the words that he's saying. He's just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. That's what, this is just following that account. He fed 4,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. It wasn't because they were really small portion sizes and Jesus was really good at like dividing things up. There's a crumb for you. No, it, it was... It was a miracle of multiplication. In fact, it says that after they had eaten and were full, there were seven large baskets of leftovers. It's worth noting that they'd also experienced recently 5,000 people fed with five loaves and two fish. There were two uh, multiplication miracles. And so the disciples in Mark chapter eight, they had seen some stuff, all right? They had experienced some stuff. They'd seen Jesus do some pretty amazing things. They were were witnesses to the miraculous. And then the disciples uh, later that day with Jesus, they're, they're in the boat and the boys, the men, they realized that they'd forgotten to pack their lunch. This is how the story goes. They did not bring with them enough to eat. And you know, John, I imagine something like, hey, Peter, I thought you brought the sandwiches. He's like, no, John. I was hanging out the washing. It was your job to make the sandwiches today. I don't know what was going on, but they're having some kind of conversation like that. And and Jesus overhears this, or he sees what's going on here. And Jesus, in Mark chapter 8, verse 13, he begins to mess with their minds. It says this, Mark 8, verse 13, and he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. He left the multitudes. Verse 14 says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them and said to them, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Verse 16, if you wanna put that slide, uh, that slide up there. And then it says that they reasoned among themselves saying, is it because we've got no bread? Is, is that why he's saying this? Is, is that why Jesus is having a go at us here? Because we've got no bread? Verse 17, but Jesus being aware of it, being aware of their lack of food and being aware of what they're talking about, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not Remember, this is all gonna make marvelous sense in just a moment, hang in with me. Do you not remember? Remember what? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Verse 20, also when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large basketful of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? What on earth is Jesus up to here? Why is he saying all these things and what on earth does it have to do with this message? Well, hang on a moment because I believe one of the greatest tools, one of the greatest tools, and I'm not exaggerating this morning, that we have in overcoming challenges, in overcoming obstacles in our lives has got a lot to do with our own personal history with the Lord. 
Just like the, the men and women of old who established memorial stones that declared God's goodness based on what he had done in their past. Guess what? We too actually set up stones of remembrance which symbolize these, these moments. They symbolize the times in our lives when God answered us, when maybe he healed us, when he delivered us, when he, I don't know, gave us protection, when we received an encouragement from God, or times when we were especially aware of God's faithfulness. Now, everybody and anyone who's been walking with the Lord for longer than, than a week will have something you'll have some kind of memorial to God. There'll be something in your past which will account for God's character and nature over, over, uh, over your lives. And I can prove it this morning. I'm gonna just do a little, a little survey. Some of you may remember a few years ago me doing this. I'm gonna get you to put your hand up, not, not now when I, when I say, but how many have experienced God in a, in a tangible way, God's provision? You've experienced before God's provision. Think back years, just keep your hands down. Think back years, I'm gonna ask for a show of hands soon. Think back as long as you need to, but an instance when you were facing, man, a pretty bleak outcome, you were in a desperate need and God came through. Maybe it was, it was a job when you needed one, right, Renee? Maybe it was food at your back door when you, when you didn't have enough to, to buy any. And, and, and listen, if not your story, can you think of someone else, recall someone else's testimony of God's provision? If you can, if it's yours or someone else's, put your hand up. All right, for the record, a number of people are putting their hands up right now. How, how about how many of us, don't put your hands up just yet, but have experienced the peace of God, like in a real tangible way where it was amidst a whole lot of stress, a whole lot of stuff going on around you, but God's peace came without understanding when you, God's peace came upon your life. And listen, if you can't recall anything personally, man, I don't think I've ever experienced God's peace before. Do you know of someone who has? Stick your hands up if, that, if that's you. Again, for the record, most of the people in this room are putting their hands up. Let's just try, try one more. I'm making a point here. How many have ever experienced a miracle of God? I, I, I don't mean, you know, you got a car park outside of Briscoe's when there was a sale on, but which, is, which is no miracle. It's always on sale. You'd be crazy to buy something at full price from Briscoe's, but I'm talking about a real miracle of God. Like it doesn't have to be a, a physical healing, but some instance, if it wasn't for the intervention of God, things would be different today. Would you put your hands up and just keep those hands up. If, if you've never experienced a miracle yourself, can you recall the testimony of someone who has? Everyone's hands should be up because we just heard one at the start of the service from Renee. Every single person here, unless you came late. All right. See, all of these things that we recall, remember, or have heard from someone else are displays of God's character. They are demonstrations of his divine, his divine nature. And all of these instances are like spiritual markers, posts that get put on the ground on our journey of faith. They are like memorial stones that whether we realize it or not should be set up. I'm not talking literally, but they are symbolic stones that get established in our history with the Lord and the purpose of them the purpose of all those things that you put your hands up for, apart from the original help that came, which is incredible, the shoulder and neck was healed, the finances came through in the last hour, 
I got the job that I'd been praying for. Food appeared at my doorstep. Someone handed me cash when I was completely desperate. Apart from the original breakthrough of prayer that those things brought, the, the, the other purpose for those things is to transform, you gotta hear this, is to transform the way you look at any similar challenge that comes your way in the future. I need this one to drop into your hearts this morning. The reason why we have these memorial stones in our walk with God, where we have these events in our life, where we clearly see the demonstration of God's nature and character, are not just for those moments in themselves when he came through, but they are to remind us and transform the way that we look at any similar challenge that comes our way. Let me explain this and it's all gonna come together and it's gonna be awesome. High five someone right now in expectation. (laughs) When the disciples find themselves in a boat without bread, Jesus begins to challenge them. He says to them in verse 17, Mark 8, why do you reason because you have no bread? Why are you talking amongst yourselves? Why are you trying to figure this out? Why are you kind of hands, uh, head slap moment because you've got no bread? What's, what's he saying? He's saying to them, why is disciples your first response, your default reaction to look at what you don't have? Oh my gosh, we don't have enough bread. Oh no, we didn't bring enough bread with us. Jesus is saying, why do you reason that you have no bread? Why, why is this a conversation that you're having, your, fo- your default reaction to look at what you don't have? Why is your only option to look at what is lacking when only a few hours ago, literally a few hours ago, you saw one of the greatest miraculous provisions of food? Do you see that in what Jesus is saying? And here's my point this morning. Every answer to prayer that you've experienced, every breakthrough from God, every encounter with Him, every miracle, every testimony you hear becomes a stone of remembrance. It becomes like a memorial to God in your mind and in your life. And that stone, those stones, however many we have, now stand today as an invitation for us to draw on again and again again, an invitation for us to stand in front of him and go, oh, that's right, that's who he is. Remember when he, when he did that, we can go back to those stones through our lives and be reminded when we face current challenge. And it should cause us, those memorial stones should cause us to never look at a similar problem in the same way again. Let me put this another way. In your own history with God, if you have ever experienced his miraculous provision, let's just say it was a job when you needed one, or, uh, and when I saw the show of hands, and it was, it was most of us, you, you'll find yourselves, because guess what? We face the same challenges sometimes again and again, right? I mean, they don't just come and that's it. We, we experience them again. For some of us, many, many, many years later, the temptation is to look at the problem from the perspective of what you don't have. I don't have a job. I need, I, I need a job. And then what do we do? We, we operate out of fear and anxiety. I don't have enough to make ends meet. You, you, you experience God's provision sometime in your past, but you're facing this current situation and the temptation is to just be anxious again. Oh no, I, I'm not gonna make it. But listen, the challenge is, the challenge is to react from the perspective of the stone of remembrance that was established all those years ago in your life. 
It may have been a year ago. It may have been 25 years ago. In, in other words, I, I, I lost my job. I, I'm, I'm, I'm needing a breakthrough in this area. But hang on a minute. Stone of remembrance. Oh, I, I know. I know that God is faithful. And I can recall. That's right. I can, I can remember a time in my past when he's proven himself faithful before. He has been my source of help, and therefore that is the perspective that I'll tackle this new problem that I'm facing. You're following me this morning? See how powerful this, this can be? In other words, if he's done it before, he'll do it again. Listen to what Jesus says. I need to keep moving. He says, why do you reason? Because you have no bread, Mark 8. Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Verse 18, having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basket full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large basket full of fragments did you take up? They said, seven. So he says to them, how is it that you don't understand this? What's, what's Jesus saying to them? He's saying, you've just seen with your very own eyes. You've just seen the miraculous provision of food. You've just seen multiplication. You've seen five loaves feed 5,000 people, seven loaves a few weeks before that feed 4,000. It's not like it happened two years ago. It was earlier this morning. I imagine Jesus is very frustrated at this point. What he's saying is, listen, fellas, the miracle wasn't just for the sake of those hungry stomachs, those 4,000 hungry stomachs. It was, disciples, so that you never look at the same problem of having no lunch ever again. How is it, he says to them, that you do not understand this? Because guess what? They totally missed it. They missed it. They experienced the miracle, but they missed the point of it. They saw the miracle, but they completely missed the lesson. What was the lesson? To have their minds renewed, to change the way they think about the problem, in this case, of hunger. When God displays his goodness in our life, it creates a spiritual market. It does. You may not realize it, but you have set up memorial stones in your life, in your life that ought to change today the way that you think about similar problems. And they are all, not just the miracle or the breakthrough or the intervention in themselves, but they are opportunities for us to renew our minds so that the next time you face a similar problem, and guess what? You probably will. You can react out of the stone of remembrance, not the circumstance you currently face. Listen to what Jesus says in verse verse 18. Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? There are times in our lives when we are blind to what God is up to. We we can't see it. We can't see him. If you're wondering what that's about, listen to last week's message. God is moving on our behalf behind the scenes. We can't always see what he's up to. Having eyes, do you not see? No, I can't can't see what what you're up to. There there are times when we cannot hear his voice. I can't see what God's doing, and I can't hear what he's doing. And having ears, do you not hear? No, I can't can't hear what, what, what he's up to. We're not picking up anything. But listen, what can every one of us do? Jesus says, and do you not remember? You may not see what God's doing. You may not be able to hear what God's currently doing, but every single one of us, because I saw the show of hands, we can remember what God has done. 
We can remember what he's, he's doing. We can go back to that testimony, whether it be our testimony or the testimony of someone else. Just steal it. Steal it. It's totally legal to steal other, not, I mean, don't say it's your own testimony, but take it. God, if, if, if you did it for her, then you're gonna do it for me. If you came through for them, well, I'm gonna, I want some too. It's mine as well. I received that in Jesus' name. Just take other people's testimonies as prophetic declarations. The Bible actually says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you hear someone speaking about the nature of God, it is a prophetic word over your life to see the same thing take place. I'm running out of time, so I just want to make sure I get through stuff here. But we can study the works of the Lord. We can go back to even the scriptures. You can remember what you've read about. And you can say, God, I am facing a current challenge. I can't see what you're up to. I can't hear what you're saying. But listen, I, you know what? I can remember. I can recall a time in my past where you have proven yourself faithful to me. Or I can recall that testimony that I heard at church about someone else who had received a breakthrough. Or I can find it in the scriptures about your faithfulness and how good you are. And so Jesus lays down this pattern Listen, if you can't see me in the circumstance, try listening. If you can't hear me in that place, then at least you can remember who I am. Remember the, the record of God's supernatural history, whether it be your own, someone else's, or the Bible, and grab hold of that, grab hold of it. The disciples had a history of bread multiplication, Two occasions that we know of. That was their stones of remembrance. But listen, the sad thing is, let's not make the same mistake, that it did nothing to change their present circumstance. And it's what actually grieved Jesus so, so much. We read about it later on. In fact, let me just read this to you now. This is on the screens. Thanks, Mark 6, after Jesus had just walked on water. Another amazing miracle. It says, then he, Jesus, got into the boat with him and the wind and the wind stopped. Mark 6, 51. And they were utterly astonished. Is that on the screens? Next slide, thanks. They were utterly astonished. They got into the boat, the wind had stopped, for they, listen to this, verse 52 of Mark chapter six, for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Jesus just walks on water. They're astonished, they can't believe it. It says they'd not, why? Because they hadn't gained any insight. They had never understood the incident of the loaves. What were the incident of the loaves? The multiplication a few chapters before. And it says that their hearts, because of it, were hardened. You see, my point is that miracles should be tutors. Breakthroughs of God, things that God does, the, re the revelation of his nature and character should teach us something. We should learn lessons from it. We should gain much insight to, to those things. Every time God does something, your own testimony or someone else's is an opportunity for us to change the way that we think about everything else similar that comes at you in your future. Just like it was in the Old Testament where these memorial stones were established for the generations to come about who God, who God was. We are creating, let's call them memory banks, if you like, of God's goodness that we get to gain access to over and over and over and over again in our future. There are opportunities for us to renew our minds. I reckon we've underestimated the power of remembrance. The 
power of remembrance. Jesus said, remember me. Don't just remember the moment in history when we take communion. Don't just remember the event that took place. But when he says, remember me, remember the power of what, that, what I did on a cross because it's your power now, currently, today. You have access to that right, right now. If we just treat the scriptures and who God is as like some kind of history book, we'll miss this. I found this principle's been so good for my own life. I find it myself using it a lot of times in pastoral settings when I'm meeting with people, they're facing a challenge. I'll often ask them, hey, listen, just, just pause for a moment about your current challenge. Can you tell me about a time when God's come through in the past for you in a similar way? And inevitably they go, well, actually, you know what? Yeah, this happened many years ago and God did this or, you know, that my, my, my parents had the same problem. God, God came through. Tell me about a time when, when God proved, has proven himself faithful to you. What, what, what am I doing when I say that? I'm having those people access their stones of remembrance. I'm pulling them out of their current reality and bringing them back to who God actually is to pull that forward to where they currently stand. Jesus said, can you not see what he's, can you not see what I did? Can, can, you, can you not hear or can you remember? Can you remember? Can you remember? He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Let me just wrap this up by asking, what are your memorial stones? What are your memorial stones? What are those, those spiritual markers that can actually help and guide you today? And, and whenever we hear a testimony, we're hearing the most weeks certainly about salvation. What an amazing one today we had from Claire. When we, when we hear these testimonies or when we read about something about who God is and what, what he's done, don't just go, wow, that's awesome. Wow, you're amazing, God, good for them. That's so incredible. Well done, Renee, that's so amazing. No, take a rock and set it down. Whenever you hear something about who God is and what he's done, take a rock and put it down. You hear a testimony next week, oh, take a rock and make a memorial stone and rem that would remind yourself of the years to come.